0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic. I'm excited to be back talking to you guys uh and and gals some of you may be wondering uh great but where you been <laughs> what's going on they played a game on sunday we're listening to this it's i don't know tuesday night wednesday morning whenever the whenever you might be listening where's the podcast been it's a good question it's a fair question and the answer is essentially something to this effect uh one, i was in denver and there is some travel logistics and things along those lines but i didn't really want to recap the game the 17 to 10 loss to the Broncos that dropped Washington to 2 and 6 and you know sometimes the storylines change a little bit we're sort of we're talking about the red zone issues again for an offense and that's missing a lot of pieces and you know the defense did some better things but ultimately a pretty mediocre offense you know did enough to win and whatever it was and here we are and um you know the reality is it's when we focus so much on the little things like what's happening in the moment we lose sight of the big picture to an extent And the way I look at it right now, when I consider the the attendance at games, when I consider things like TV ratings, messages left on Twitter or the comment section, what I hear from friends and family, they gleefully tell me they don't pay any attention to this team anymore, which is obviously not what you want to hear when you're covering the team. Um, It's the small stuff is not does not matter. It's a it's all big picture at this point for the Washington football team. That's what I wrote about the other day in the Athletic. After the, the loss, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, and so I've got a bunch of guests coming on. I don't even want to say who's coming on at the top. Not I'm not saying it's massive surprises. We should have some good guests, but it's going to be a free-flow situation. Um, so we'll see who's able to, to come by when they, when they said they'll be able to come by. Um, but the point for me for, the, for these conversations, for the most part, is going to be we're going to focus on the big-picture stuff. What do I mean by that? I mean things like the quarterback. Until they have any sign of a quarterback, this thing is going nowhere. And uh, uh, I'm not this is not I'm, I'm not talking about Taylor Heineke. I'm not talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm talking about the, the the sense, the hope, the belief that you have something either a proven commodity, the way they tried to get Matthew Stafford last year, or hope in the form of a draft pick that looks like it's conceivable that they could you know in they'll be picking high enough in the first round that maybe this year they actually make that move until they have some sense of hope, if not a little, if not a proven piece of quarterback, where is this thing going? And that's especially true when you have the other part of this, the ownership issue. Uh, Where do you find hope under this ownership? It's a great question. No answer. Uh, You guys have heard my story that before I was doing this job, when I was still a fan, I bailed long ago, emotionally after the uh, bringing in Jeff George, to compete with Brad Johnson when that made no sense. When they fired Marty Schottenheimer, when they overpaid Adam Archaletta, these things showed me where this thing was headed. And all these years later, clearly I had it right. But now there's even there's a there, that's just football stuff. We're not even getting into the moral component of this. It obviously dominates the news a lot of these days with this team. So these are topics I think we need to discuss. In addition to, okay, we do need to talk football. I mentioned the quarterback. There's also the Ron Rivera aspect of this. That is not to suggest that means we're going to spend time here saying ron Rivera should be he's he's not up to the task we should be fired not not that at all it's just to the point of saying rather than focusing on the little stuff that goes on in a game let's talk about the big picture where is this team headed what have we seen that makes us think he can or cannot pull these things off these are the topics that i want to get into Um, and so we're going to do that today with a variety of guests i'm excited to talk to you about this i may split this up into two parts i don't know um at the in, in the show notes wherever you're finding this podcast you'll see who the guests are in the headlines or in the notes somewhere along there i'll make it clean uh i will just say grant paulson from 106.7 the fan is going to be primarily on with me a bunch so we'll get into that we will get into the draft and some of these other topics as well i'm excited to do this um of course i'm always excited when everybody tells me they've checked out the podcast if you haven't subscribed yet encourage you to do so you can do that on itunes uh, you can do it on Spotify. And of course, it, you can listen to it on The Athletic. That's where really the commercial-free experience there. If you're an iTunes person, I promise you that it, it helps a lot when you leave a, a rating and a review. It takes 20, 30 seconds, whatever that may be. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, goes a long way. I'll just leave it, uh, leave it at that. Uh, in addition, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. And I will try to give pass along Twitter handles for all the guests um, that come along. So let's we'll get into this here in just a second. I'm excited to talk to everybody about this team. And like I said, try to look at it from a bigger picture perspective. There'll be some venting. We'll have some fun. But ultimately, I'm over talking about why the third down defense isn't working or, or what, what is Taylor Heineke. We've discussed all these things, and it distracts from the bigger issue. How does the Washington football team actually get out of this? How do they actually one day become a franchise that people can say, that's, that's, that's a good team? that this is going places. Maybe it happens with this group, maybe it doesn't, but that's what we're going to discuss here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top
2: stories of pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles,
0: posts, and podcasts Every Monday to Friday, sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.
1: All right. I, I, I don't know if this is history, but it kind of, I feel like this is history here. I feel like I'm bringing together like the scene of the Godfathers where you're bringing the Dons together to discuss, uh, you know, discuss the business you got here, Grant Paulson, of course, afternoon host uh, 106.7, the fan longtime member of the, DC uh, media contingent and then also here Kevin Sheehan morning host on 980 you, you two were actually co-workers now but I don't think that I think I assuming is this the first time you've ever done actual talking together
2: we talk together we all the time
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the Just first not on the air. conversation for air but yeah this has a little feel of the De Niro Pacino scene from uh, heat right now we're, we're meeting at the diner
1: Yeah, this is very exciting. And look, this is what it, this is what it takes that this team is. It's not that it's his new territory. It's that it's returning, but to some degree it does feel worse (laughs) than that than before. Maybe it's because there was the hope from last year that, that the way the season ended and with his defense and going into this year and the talk of, Hey, maybe they're building something. and, And here we are again, or maybe it's just, you know, Uh, there's maybe some more questions now about where things are with the coaching staff. And then of course, there's always the persistent aspect of the ownership and how do you sort of get away? How do you get out from under that? I don't know. That's what we're here to to talk about with all these things. I'm super excited to get you both here. Um, We're going to make some, some, some magic. Uh, But I guess first, Kevin, uh, just to to go to you, like just sort of the quickly, like, like, I, I feel like I know because I hear you talk and you and I talk as well, but like, What's your baseline right now of where you are with this whole thing at two and six, like the, in, in terms of this season, but looking bigger picture, like where are you at with, with this? Have you thrown in the towel on this year and beyond or what's your, or where are you at with, with everything right now? You know, you said to
2: me yesterday or whenever we talked, you said it's not even about the game on Sunday. And then Tommy today on the podcast said, I'm, I'm not even focused on the results of these games anymore. Cause they don't matter. And I used to be the guy that would be, you know, at six and eight with, with two games left, trying to figure out, you know, every single mathematical possibility to get them into the postseason. And it's over. Like, I'm not even interested in doing that. I don't have the passion for doing it because what's the point? This is a bad football team right now in terms of the you know, the current, this is a bad football team. I can't believe I'm saying that because I did not think it was going to be a great football team this year, but I did not think it would be, you know, a bottom four or five team in the league, which is what it is. But really the issue is, you know, looking at it big picture, they have the worst ownership situation in the league and they don't have an answer quarterback. And so until, One of those two things corrects itself. We're going to be here most years, um, you know, moving forward.
3: Same spot.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, Grant, before we get going, what do you want to give your sort of State of the Union, uh, a brief State of the Union there as well?
3: Well, I I mean, Kevin's obviously correct about the owner and the quarterback, but I I would say there are other really important factors too. The front office and the coaching staff are kind of the, the four pieces of the pie to me. I don't like the front office structure. I haven't liked the front office structure since day one. I don't think having a head coach who's also a general manager is a particularly good idea. And if you're going to do it, Ron Rivera likes to say you better be able to have been there before. If you're going to draw me a map, he's drawn me a map and he's never been there before to use his words against him. He hasn't run a front office. I'm not sure that I had confidence that he could, Um, They brought in Marty Herney, who was doing a radio show recently, uh, like me and Kevin do, and who wouldn't be a GM anywhere else. Uh, They brought in Martin Mayhew, who had a really bad track record in Detroit as a general manager and wasn't going to get another job. I'm pretty sure he has the same agent as Ron. Obviously, Herney hired Ron as the head coach, and a lot of the jobs in Ashburn right now are are people who worked with Ron Rivera before, which is fine. Uh, Most of them are qualified, but that structure for me in the front office you didn't hire the best GM. You didn't hire the best whatever Marty Herney's title is. Uh, and Rivera's never done this before. So I'm skeptical. And then when you do things like you cut a kicker and you downgrade a kicker and it immediately costs you a game, that's frustrating to me. And that leads me to question other decisions that you're making and makes me wonder, well, wait a second. This is very obviously wrong and it's really easy to see it. It's tangible. What else have they done like this? Uh, and then I, I would point to the coaching staff which is you know, way more incomplete in terms of my grade there. Like Ron's track record in Carolina, he's not a juggernaut. He's not Belichick or Gibbs 1.0 or anything. But he had three really good seasons. I think he was in the playoffs four years. They snuck in it with a seven-win record once. So I'm more than willing to give him time and be fairly patient with him as a head coach. No, he shouldn't be on a hot seat or anything like that two years in. But to me, that's a very different thing than Ron, the GM. Again, something he'd never done, a structure I don't believe in to begin with. I think an owner should hire a GM, should hire a head coach, should pick a quarterback. They've never once done that here. It's the way it should work in football, and they refuse to do it.
1: Uh, Well, well, well said by both of you. Um, we'll, get, we'll come back to some of the things you guys discussed. But like I said, the three big pillars I just want to get to, if we have time, the roster, Ron Rivera, and then dan snyder the ownership let me start with the roster and ask you this so part of the reason why we were all uh i i won't put words in your mouth but i think most people were generally hopeful if not optimistic about where these things were going i mean i didn't think they would be a 12 win team but you know if the defense I, and i also thought the defense was a bit overrated last year based on as we've all discussed 100 times all the backup quarterbacks they faced and so on and who knew what, what you're going to get from ryan fitzpatrick but whatever, there was some reason to be optimistic, right? Based on how things ended in the, in the young talent, but so much as we just said, comes down to a quarterback, but also is the roster as a whole. And I want to ask this question to, to both of you. So the defense had all these, you know, all the first round picks on it. They add William Jackson, Jamin Davis, you know, the offense has the pieces they have. And so when people, when we discussed how this season was going, I think the question became about the quarterback. Now they tried to get Matthew Stafford, didn't They came up short, didn't get him. But if they had gotten Matthew Stafford, I feel confident in saying that m- many of us would have been saying that the Washington football team is an actual contender in the NFC. Maybe below Tampa Bay and Green Bay because they've proven to be good already, right? But they would have been exciting. People would have said, Dallas, no way. Washington is going to win the division because that's how p- good people felt about the rest of the roster. But then you ended up, you didn't get him. Then you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is the epitome of solid but i don't know what you're going to get out of this guy which is why the wishy-washy 500 records came into play right that's and that's again based on the quarterback not everything else then when it became taylor heineke you had to drop expectations at least somewhat because he's not even ryan fitzpatrick my point is that the quarterback is why the thing how we viewed this thing ultimately and why it may have fluctuated one way or the other not the rest of the roster eight games into the year Do we still feel the same? And now things can change over the with nine games to go. But right now, even, you know, I mean, like, do, does everybody feel as optimistic about the overall roster? Because ultimately, it is the quarterback is the most important piece. It's not the only piece, though. Even if this offseason they go get a Matt Ryan or whatever you want to tell me, do we feel like they can actually get it done? So, Kevin, I'll go to you first. Like, the overall roster, how do you still feel encouraged, assuming you did when the season started, or are you, discouraged enough now that it isn't that you can feel like it's just about the quarterback.
2: Well, I think that um, I feel both. I feel that the roster isn't quite as good as I thought it was, but I also think if they had traded for Matt Stafford, this team would be a hell of a lot better. I mean, it would be every bit of two to three games better because it is that weighted at that position. And I think we probably would have felt differently about the rest of the roster. Um, If they had, you know, an elite quarterback, a top 10-ish kind of quarterback, um, you know, quarterbacking this team. But, yeah, the the roster, again, it's like these things like were important to me a couple of weeks ago. And I've lost the passion for so much of this because I kind of feel like it's just it doesn't matter that much. Grant, what was the thing that you said about um, Rivera saying about a map? What what was it specifically? he loves saying, Uh, don't draw me a map unless you've been there before. Yeah, guys, 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 guys. That is important. That's not interesting. Um, That's the other thing he loves to say. And I think, honestly, like the roster conversation um, is interesting, but it's not as important as if you had a quarterback. Like if you had a quarterback, this team would be a lot better. If they had pulled it off for Stafford, it'd be a lot better. I I think it's so interesting, too, and I think, Grant, you and I have talked about this before, um, or or maybe Ben, you and I have talked about this before, that he has talked about, you know, building the foundation. We're going to build it block by block. We're going to, you know, build up the team, and then we'll go find the quarterback, as if there's a store to go to when you have the rest of the team built up that'll sell you the best quarterback, you know, in the league. And yet he tried to trade for Matt Stafford. You know, those two things, are, you know, that's, a, that's a contradiction because he really did go hard after the quarterback and then he was going to figure out the rest later, which, by the way, if he had gotten the quarterback would have been the totally acceptable way um, to go. Um, I don't know about the roster. I, I mean, how, the, the de- defensive talent isn't as good as we thought. Certainly not up front. It's been very average up front with the exception of John Allen, who's been their best player defensively this year and one of the two best players on the team. And I think Payne and Ionitis have been okay, but the two-star defensive ends have had average seasons at best. I don't care what kind of PFF numbers you throw at me. Nobody can convince me that Chase Young's having a good season. Um, and the linebackers were always going to be an issue – And the secondary is flat out terrible. Um, I think the surprise of the roster has been the the area in which I think maybe we were, you know, as concerned as any other, which was the offensive line. But now that's in tatters from an injury standpoint. I do think that they have more A players than they've had in a long time because I think John Allen's an A player and I think Terry McLaurin's an A player. And I thought Sweat and Young were potential A players, and I haven't given up on them yet. Um, but overall, it's it's a C roster at best.
1: So, so Grant, let me let me sort of tee you up with, with with this. Like, I like my basic. The reason I brought up the roster is, like, I still think there are enough pieces here, and we can debate in a minute when we get to the coaching part of this. What, where does that factor in, and and all that? Obviously, there's some deficiencies particularly at quarterback. And then some guys like William Jackson just haven't played well. Curtis Samuel obviously hasn't even played, but it feels like there's something else kind of going on here with the roster. And by that, I mean, you know, when we talk about the things Rivera says over and over again, there are the things he says that are like part of his Ted talk. You mentioned the draw me, don't draw me a map. If you haven't been there. You know, is it interesting or important? All these types of things. But one thing he says that I don't think is part of that Ted talk that he says a lot, especially earlier in the year was about, Questions about maturity and discipline. I think that's something that came out of him organically, recognizing, seeing what was happening here with this group. And I think part of the setback with this group, beyond all the other stuff, is something going on here with this team. Now, we are not, unfortunately, not in the locker room, so I can't see the interactions. I can't talk to players easily uh, on the side to have any feel for kind of what what they think, what is what is happening. But it feels like something is off, and this is a group that Ron Rivera, not even saying it was a wrong decision from a personnel standpoint, they got rid of Ryan Kerrigan, Morgan Moses is gone, uh, you know, Nick Sunberg is gone, a bunch of guys who have been on this roster for a long time, you say whatever you want about them as players, but like they were the, some of the adults in the room, and a lot of that leadership is now different, and now you have guys like Chase Young, a 20, what is he, 22 years old, second year player as a team captain, I, I don't put tons of stock in the team captain thing, but like, if you're saying that these are the people that are the young guys are your leaders, that's a lot of responsibility. Just because you're a really good player doesn't mean you're a leader. Something has felt off with the vibe of this group all year, not in a completely negative way, but when he talks about maturity and discipline, I just keep thinking he's saying basically that too many guys either viewed last year as that they've made it and don't understand that there's, they haven't, or there's something else that just feels off. And so I I'm asking that that's sort of how I'm kind of viewing it. You can answer it however you want, but there's something it feels like it's not just about the talent, but something feels off with the group this year.
3: Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, like you said, I'd love the ability to just be around and and have access more often. Right. You're at the park every day. I'm not because I'm at the station, but, you know, I'm at games and whatever, not being able to ever go in the locker room. You know, if I could get out once a week or do that, you'd have a better feel and pulse for that. So it's hard to speculate. I would say the whole idea, though, that something is off. I mean, I think they're under talented and they're just not as good as most of the teams that they're playing. And if they were winning, it wouldn't feel off. Like I hate to simplify it, but I mean, who did they lose to so far this year before the Broncos game that they're better than on paper? Like they played bad teams in the giants. They beat them barely. Uh, They played a bad team in the Falcons. They beat them. I don't think they're as good as the chargers or the bills or the saints or the chiefs or the Packers. So I kind of look at this thing and I go, they should probably be three and five right now. They're two and six Um, to, to Kevin's point until you get a quarterback, not a whole lot else matters, but like, let's just say Matt Stafford's on this team. I think it's a very different conversation to answer your question to Kevin. Like, I think the talent, if everyone was healthy and you, you start this thing over, you know, with the, the A planned roster, I think they're fairly close. Now, that's not to say that they are set at every position, but we've seen them win 10 games and rip off seven wins in a row with like Rob Jackson at defensive end. I mean, you don't need to be you know, set everywhere. Uh, the offseason they had, though, was not particularly good. And in some cases, looks like it was really bad. And that, to me, is scary and an issue. Again, I, I go back to the, the front office part of this. They had a tremendous offseason a year ago. I sang their praises all all season long for it. They found J.D. McKissick and Logan Thomas, and they got banged for their buck on West Schweitzer and, and – uh, Cornelius Lucas and then the, the dude that was their acting general manager just got frozen out and, and run out for some reason that I still don't really understand. And so this new group came in and uh, they signed Curtis Samuel who's provided nothing and they drafted a, a linebacker in the first round who looks like a project at best. And I mean, we could go round and around, but it it was not a productive off season. So I don't think they're as far off as it looks if they get a quarterback, but In the meantime, they're building this thing without a quarterback. Rivera's doing this defensive first philosophy that I don't really think works. Like the Broncos are the mirror image of them this past week where they're going, oh, we got a good defense and we got Teddy Bridgewater. And they're also going nowhere fast. Like the league is about offense. It's about points. It's about being able to hang 35 and 40 on people. What Dallas did, they got a quarterback. They got three receivers and they're drafting CeeDee Lamb in the first round. Like that's what should be happening. And I don't really know what they're doing, why they're zigging while the league is zagging. But I don't think this is the play. I I think it's a lot harder to win this way than than trying to actually invest in offense and take advantage of the rules that allow you to score points and and to have some urgency at quarterback. And I give them credit. You and I argue, discuss whatever you want to say about the Stafford thing all the time. They tried for Stafford. That's cool. I'm glad they did. The Rams had a better offer, but then they decided because there was a wait at the restaurant, they would just go home, go to a different restaurant, offer two ones for Derek Carr, you know, make calls, do something, uh, draft a quarterback, move up and get Mac Jones. They just decided that they would go with the 40 year old Ryan Fitzpatrick for his ninth team. I I didn't really get that. So I want urgency at quarterback, I guess would be the long-winded way of saying that'll make everything around it better. And in the meantime, I think their talent is fine, but you need a guy at that position or, or it's irrelevant. They've got to get urgent at that position.
2: Um, And he really hasn't tried to build it defense first because he, he tried to go get the quarterback. Like, again, that's the contradiction and Ben to your original question. I do think there's been something wrong there. I, I don't know what it is specifically, but something hasn't been right. Um, defensively from from the jump. Now, I don't know if it's still an issue, but I think it was an issue uh, early in the year. Something's going on there that is disjointed because they do have better players than the performance um, uh, suggests. And I'm I'm not not saying I I think Grant's right. And I I think I sort of said the same thing, which is I I don't think the talents on defense is as great as many people thought. Um, but this defense should not be one of the three or four worst defenses in the league with some of the players they have. So I I think it's beyond just um, lack of production or execution. I think something's not right there uh, because he's referred to it many times, although he hasn't in recent weeks. Maybe you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but that maturity thing, um, that concern over, Uh, being disciplined was a theme for the first four or five weeks of this season.
1: Yeah, he definitely went down that path a lot early on. He's been, it's been less lately, Uh, perhaps, I mean, I don't know, he got tired of it or maybe he sees growth or whatever it is. Um, I will just say to the idea of like, what is off. And again, I wish we could be in a locker room, but obviously, you know, we do with what we can. Um, The the sense I've had one is uh, on the defense that, something is off with like the, the, the players feel like the, I've heard some players feel like they're having to react more than just playing football, that there's, I don't know if the scheme is overly complicated, but whatever it is, it doesn't feel like they're just being able to go out and play stuff. Now, obviously you can't just freelance. I think when Ron Rivera talks about having coordinated uh, rushes, he's basically kind of saying, you can't just do whatever you want. The two players on the left side need to know where they're going. So they don't both end up in the same spot and we leave a gaping hole for somebody to, to, to get through. So there is, you can't just do what you want, but I think there's some notion of players have felt maybe certainly more earlier than later, perhaps that they're having to, whatever they're asking them to do, they're over having to overthink rather than just react. Um, and then to the point of also the defense, look, the secondary, this miscommunication stuff, I don't want to pin it on just one, one guy, but like Landon Collins, obviously has struggled majorly covering anybody deep. I have no idea why Denver when he was playing as the fifth defensive back this week, didn't try to send somebody down the field. I guess that's just not in their arsenal or Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have that arm strength. I don't know what, but like, they didn't try. That's what's been working all the year. And, you know, I, I, I reported yesterday that um, Washington has told teams that he was available. Like I, I didn't really get in, go, go hard on this, but like, I was told, I, I talked to people from three different teams independently who all told me that. And to the degree that they were telling me that Washington was trying to move him, it wasn't just like, Hey, passively, if you're interested, let us know. Like they were trying to move him. One said that they were willing to put money in the deal to move him. And my only point is that if you, if that is, if that's a true thing, why would you be trying to do that now? You know, you can get rid of him at the end of the year if you want to. And he did play better this last week play. He's played better since they've kept him solely in the box. But if you're actually trying to move him, I think it's a sign of saying this isn't working. We need to kind of move on from this um, at at this point. I think so. These two things, I think the some guys viewing it like they're playing too much uh, overthinking. And then look, William Jackson struggled. Also, it's not just Landon Collins, Um, but there's there's a weird fit here. Maybe it took them too long to recognize the issue with Landon Collins in particular. But I think those are two things that are happening um, on defense. At least Grant, I know you wanted to say something before.
3: No, I just – so, first of all, in Collins, I agree. I mean, I thought he was terrific this past week. The play he made on the swing to Gordon was awesome and, and just in general he kind of lived in the backfield. That's what he is, right? That's the way to utilize him. It's kind of what the Giants found out when he won uh, a lot of accolades and became uh, in a, a all-pro in New York, weirdly enough, like five years ago, which seems crazy now. Uh, having said that, I, I would – I, are we sure that the defense is, is like as talented as everybody thinks? I mean, I get the defensive line is awesome. And that four guys were first round picks. Allen's having an incredible year. I think payne has been really good. I'm with Kevin when he says chase and Montez have both disappointed. I think sweats probably been better. Neither of those guys have been impactful enough, particularly chase, but like outside of that, they're linebacking core. What is the You know, their, their best linebacker is Holcomb, who's a fifth round pick who I like. He's plays really hard, but I, I don't know what Cole Holcomb is. I mean, how many teams does he start on? You know, they're secondary because they paid a guy 14 million a year in free agency. Does that make him good? I don't William Jackson was on a terrible Bengals defense before he came here, and he's really yeah. struggling. The the other corner, I mean, Kendall Fuller, I know for a fact when they signed him, they basically said, this guy's our slot. You know, we don't want him out at the boundary. Now, oddly enough, I thought he was much better last year outside than he was early this season inside. He's played a lot better the last couple of weeks. But like what he, he went to Kansas City, you know, kind of moved positions there and moved around and came back. Two of the three stops he's made are here. He's a $10 million a year corner. Are, are we sure he, he's some star, I, you know, their safety position? Well documented like Bobby McCain is, is their free safety right now who the Dolphins who are a one win team said no thank you to this offseason. I, I guess I just, I'm not sure I buy it with the quote unquote like talent on the defense. I think last year was a mirage. Now I don't think they were bad. Don't get me wrong. Again, the defensive front is good enough that they took games over and they single-handedly won them games. But when that happened, they're playing Ben DiNucci and broken Carson Wentz and Nick, Nate Sudfeld and Nick Mullins. I I, I've just, I've always kind of thought this is like, if things go well this year, they will be in the 10 to 13 range in defense. And that'd be ideal. Very different than what they are now. But I guess my point is, I I've always kind of thought that was overblown and Coming into the year with with the quarterbacks they were going to play, I kind of thought they were in for a rude awakening. I didn't think it was going to be like this. I'm not claiming this is what I expected. I've been shocked like everybody else. They've been a lot better the last couple of weeks, though. And maybe eventually they get into that, like, 15, 14 range. I don't know. There's a lot of football. There's still over half a season left. But the last I, couple of weeks have looked more kind of like what I expected. I just – I guess that's my question. How sure are we about the talent on defense other than the D-line where they do have some really good players. So I are you just, going to? Are you going to bed right now? Where are you headed? Me, I'm just walking around my basement.
1: <laughs> he's, okay. getting, he's
2: getting in steps. Um, well, that's right. I would just say I, to that. I think. I think, uh, I think so, everything you said. I think you know. I, I I don't disagree with. I mean, I I thought the the big issue with the defense last year was was circumstance. I mean, I thought it was an improved defense from the year before. But everybody that thought it was elite, I'm like, first of all. And I'm still not convinced this is true this year. I didn't think it was a very good run stopping defense last year. I'm not so sure it's a really good run stopping defense this year quite yet. Like I thought they got run on a little bit on Sunday, and nobody's really tried to run it uh, against them, which would be interesting to see um, what would happen. But yeah, the, the talent—if it was—if if it's talented—is is on the defensive front. I did think it was interesting. Um, Was it, uh, what's today? Uh, Today's Tuesday. So it was the Monday presser. And it's like the second or third time he said this too. They really do like Bobby McCain. Like they think he's a really smart, good player. Um, Fuller, I do think is a good player who's had a bad year, although I thought he was great Sunday. I thought it was by far and away his best game um, of the year. Jackson, to your point, Grant, I don't think Cincinnati even cared that that, that they didn't (laughs) re-sign him. Um, you know, people talk about the fit. He's more of a man corner than a zone corner. And they play too much zone here. I don't think Cincinnati cared either way. Um, but yeah, they need more talent on defense. I mean, they, they need talent everywhere. On the roster, after the defensive line, which I do think has talent. I think the, the area of the team that I really think is um, is is, is I think better than I thought it was. I think they've got more playmakers on offense, even with the injuries. McKissick last year was good. He's a legit playmaker, you know, for for a good NFL team. I'm surprised they got out, uh, they got him last year and that nobody else got him. I think Gibson could be a star at running back. I can't believe how powerful he is. Uh, I I think, you know, obviously whatever Terry is, he is. He's a legit number one a top half of the league, number one, and maybe much better than that. And I'd like to see Curtis Samuel on the field for sure. But I even like some of their other players. Like I know that they've been down at the skill position players offensively, but I don't think DeAndre Carter is a big drop-off. I think he is a pleasant surprise for sure. And I like some of their other guys. I like Humphreys. And I could tell that in the preseason that they liked Mill more than they liked AGG, so they're, they're, they're players and maybe more really good players than they've had in a long time. But defensively, you're right. There's nothing to get excited about with respect to their linebacking force, secondary. And then of course, you know, on offense, they don't have a quarterback and there's no plan right now for a quarterback. We can't until that gets fixed.
3: None of this stuff is really going to matter that much. Yeah, Can I, I, by the way I'll just jump in real quick. I love Logan Thomas will come back. He's a weapon. He's a top. Yeah, right. Him too. But when he comes back, that's going to help. What they found that they have in Ricky Seals Jones is awesome. Like he can, he's an actor. He could be a matchup problem as a second tight end against a linebacker. I'm actually with you. I, I think getting McKissick and Gibson on the field at the same time, and and you've now gone from big plotting a barber and one roll to maybe Jarrett Patterson, who's a rookie at no money. I, mean, I, I love what they've done. I'm excited about a lot of the pieces on that side of the ball. I think if you had an above average quarterback, they'd be a, a well above average offense. I really believe that at this point. I'm with you on Fuller's game, by the way. I thought he was really good this past week, but that's why I'm saying I, I don't think they're that far away. I think what's happening is, A, that they've got some injuries right now, like most teams do, and you can't mask them. With a backup quarterback, which is what I think Heineke is in the game, and and we've kind of seen that at this point. I'm I'm shocked and, and really surprised to hear Ron say, "Well, we we he basically said today. I don't know if you guys heard on uh, with the Junkies. You know, we still want to see Heineke. We're not. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, we're not sure exactly what we have. We we want to continue to evaluate him. <laughs> that surprises me. I, I don't know if he really thinks that or if he's just saying that publicly. But I, I think we kind of know at this point, right? Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I, I would I would say yes. L- l- just to backtrack quickly, in terms of the defense, like the way I look at it is the defensive line is the equivalent of the of an NBA superstar, right? I, I always use the Wizards as an example, although maybe that's a bad one at this point. But like if you have a team with like Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant needs to score 30 points a game because this is what you're paying him and you're building all the other pieces around him for that to occur. But if you take Kevin Durant off, or he's only averaging 20 points a game, which may seem good. The other pieces then are not going to flourish the way you need to because it's all built on him. And this defense is built on these four guys up front, and if you want to add in Ioannidis as well, that's fine. And they've been okay. They haven't been great. And they need them to be great to make everything else look better. So that's been the problem, I think, there. On top of, I agree, the linebacker situation has just looked bleak, especially since, since Jamin Davis has just not been ready to go off the bat. And the William Jackson things, to me, smelled of, josh norman coming here and like wait why are you playing him in a different in a different way than he was successful somewhere else if you wanted to do that then maybe you should have just gone and gotten somebody else um so all that feels problematic on the offense and then we can switch to a different topic i would just say this like i agree i think we know what taylor heineke is but i feel like and i again i don't want to get bogged down with some of this stuff but to your point of like how far away are they i think this is important we've been focusing on how bad the red zone offense is the last two weeks despite we're, 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 while almost ignoring taylor heineke's a backup there is no logan thomas there has been no curtis samuel they've missed there's two starting offensive linemen on the right side the last several weeks now chase roulet is out we'll see about eric flowers they're missing a lot of people and yet they're moving the they, ball up and down they Grant was just saying that before he started talking that this is the easiest time in the NFL to do that. And that's true. But like Taylor Heineke is still a backup quarterback. A lot of backup quarterbacks couldn't even get this done. So if we're talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick or just an average starter, I would feel more optimistic then about what the offense is doing if you had a better piece at that spot. So there's reason to be, I think, sort of optimistic, except for the fact that, how do you find the quarterback you can't just be optimistic about all the pieces when you're missing the absolute biggest one everybody who says well you know even Ron Rivera has said look the Eagles have won recently a Super Bowl they didn't have a star the Rams made one well how what happened to those guys we're Nick Foles and Jared Goff now that only gets you maybe a year you can't sustain that year over year and that's the difference why you ultimately uh need to get a quarterback." but, but let me, let me pivot to, to Rivera himself now because, okay, he's the guy in charge, right? So ultimately we need to know what do we think of what his what he's doing. And I do agree that like, I think a lot of things that they did this year seemed reasonable to me. It obviously hasn't worked out because of injuries or other factors. I don't know how you guys view it. The games are a, – it's a result oriented situation. But when it comes to choices, moves, decisions – I focus almost more on intent than I do the result because when you're making choices on draft picks or other things, you're, you're trying to bet on what a human being will do, and that's really hard. So I try to look at like what's the intent on a lot of things, and that is what I'm still trying to figure out with Ron Rivera times. What is, what is his intention? Because like as Kevin pointed out, he makes a move to try to get Stafford, then comes back and says it's about building the pieces around it. Well, what is it? what what are you at what is he actually trying to accomplish we just had a trade deadline right nothing happened okay that's fine whatever but what what was their intention at the trade deadline were they looking at it and thinking this season's toast let's we need to move anything we can get build up other draft picks and move forward were they thinking we should try to go get a piece or two now because we think we are maybe not that far away or were they just passive or didn't know i don't know what their plan was and that to me after a year and a half of rivera is what i'm still trying to sort through what is his intention what is his actual goal with some of this stuff beyond just the like i mentioned before the ted talk sayings it was new and interesting when he was coming in and saying all these things but we've now heard it a bunch he says them over and over again so those to me are just words they're not actions what are his intentions and that's what uh kevin i could go to you first that, that's what for me i'm still trying to figure out is i'm not saying he, whether he's a good coach or a bad coach i agree probably in a perfect world probably isn't running the front office either but okay that's where we're at I, I don't quite know what the plan is or what his intentions are and to me that is super important if i'm going to put any weight on this person being able to turn it around
2: by the way you have noticed like the guys 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 thing when he, well, he is a little to bit me, here so yes. <laughs> yeah right that's right he did so when what i've noticed and he's he's even done it with me when he's on with me one day a week when he's a little bit irritated with a question he'll say guys guys loves it yeah and when he's not irritated and he thinks it's a solid question he'll say grant you know ben yeah yeah and he'll address you by name um (laughs) anyway um I don't know what to make you think. I I, I honestly don't know what to think of Ron Rivera at this point. I think Grant made a really interesting point at the beginning of this conversation um, about, you know, being disappointed or unsure or very critical of him as the general manager of the organization. And he'd love to see one time owner, hire general manager, general manager, hire coach, coach, hire coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. The problem with that model with this owner is I would have zero confidence that the owner would a, would a, be able to pick out the right GM or B, be able to attract the right kind of GM. I just don't think um, that they would get somebody unless he you know got lucky uh, by hiring some guy that, that couldn't get a job anywhere else and turned out to be great. It's like that opportunity he had with Dwayne Haskins by picking Haskins, he actually had the opportunity to, to look good for the first time if Haskins had worked out, but it never works out for him. Rivera, the the coach, probably wouldn't be the coach if he didn't have the control. I, I think that's right. I'm not 100% sure that I'm right about that. And also, you know, after the whole, it's Bruce's fault, you know, um, uh, conclusion uh, to the 2019 season and 2010 through 2019, it was all Bruce's fault. Dan had to come up with some new way of, of. Of, of, of moving forward I mean he sort of did that with Shanahan and, and brought in you know as kind of an administrator to begin with but I don't know what to think of Ron the coach I think he was a better coach than most of you guys think at Carolina I know the number of winning seasons he had but I always felt watching that team that it was a hard you know tough disciplined team and when they were healthy at quarterback. They were usually a playoff contender, if not a playoff team. And when they weren't healthy at quarterback, when Cam didn't play or wasn't healthy, that's when they had some trouble um, with a couple of losing seasons and not making the playoffs. I always felt he was better than most people thought. Not elite, not great, but a solid NFL coach, highly respected as a coach. And I really thought they had outkicked their coverage in, in getting him. Because at the end of 2019, I didn't think anybody other than somebody that couldn't get any other job or was looking for his first job would come here. Um, So I but I don't know what to make of the situation when you consider what he came into, what's gone on while he's been here, and they still don't have the answer at the quarterback in the first year, he may have been told or certainly there was an expectation to at least try to make it work with the guy that the owner picked who went to school with his son at Bullis. Um, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach, but I don't think he's a bad coach, but maybe to Grant's point, you know, he can't do both of these things simultaneously and it'll impact his ability to coach. But the thing that'll make him a good coach is finding a really good quarterback. Not that cam was always great, but cam was good enough. And if you had Cam and his prime on this team with the offensive weapons that we've talked about, and, and I think, Ben, you made a really good point. They have moved the football. Some people roll their eyes at that and say, yeah, but they've only scored 10 points the last two weeks. Okay, well, would you rather have a team that scores 10 points and goes three and out and punts seven times in a game or actually has a chance to score? They've actually moved the football. I think Scott Turner is doing an underrated job, which also I think is a contrarian opinion, but whatever. Um, until he gets the quarterback, I don't know that we can judge him. And the truth is, you can't judge most, most coaches in the league um, without having a chance at that position.
3: I, I think Turner's done a really good job. Uh, and I like I kind of agree with him philosophically, from what I can tell from his play calling as well. Not that I know him all that well. A couple conversations on the radio in a couple years. But you know, I, I love teams that throw to running backs. I like the idea he, he once said on my show, if I'm throwing to McKissick 10 times and on 10 targets, he's catching it 10 times. How's that any different than handing it to him? I think that's brilliant. I think it's genius. I think that's what teams should do in the league. Um, I like the idea that he, he's not going to just run the ball on first and 10 constantly. There's a lot of things just from a paradigm standpoint that I, I like about him. So I hope it works out, but I, you know, he needs a, a quarterback or else the results aren't going to be particularly good. He hasn't had one in Carolina or here. Uh, I think Ron's a solid head coach. I, I'll can, you know, I have, I have no issue I, I, with him or as a coach at this point here. I, I really don't. I mean, again, we're talking about Scott Turner as an OC and whether he has a quarterback in, in the case of Rivera, I, I go back to the the teams and I went through the, the resume this season. They should be three and five, probably knowing what we know about them and their opponents, right? The talent, like if you just coach a really strong game, how many of those games should you have won? you're you're three and five you're you're playing better teams you're playing a varsity schedule you're not there yet so i don't have an issue with that you know as i said i separated it's kind of the the front office structure that i've been taking issue with and he had a chance to go hire someone who had been a a, a successful assistant gm elsewhere and bring them in to help him out that wasn't you know a a rivera guy they didn't do that They, they i want to to when I have openings, you know, I want to interview uh, if it's a radio show, all the all the best producers that are available. And I want to talk to the, the best call screeners available. And, you know, t- the idea that I'm just going to end up with a bunch of dudes that have already worked on my shows through the years is pretty cru- coincidental if they're the best options on the planet. Um, so uh, that's just a frustration I've had all along from a, a front office standpoint. But bigger picture, to your point on the plan I guess what I need to know is what what is the planet quarterback? They they are going into in this big picture conversation we're having essentially offseason number three already. Okay. Are they any closer to getting one? Is there a quarterback in this draft class that looks like a can't miss guy that's going to be there for them? Uh Part of when you have to pounce on a quarterback, you have to look into the future and say, who's available next year? Who's going to shake free? Who won't be available? I I can get down with year one, off season one, not drafting Herbert or what have you, because Chase Young was there. Although we're told that Dan Snyder is not telling Ron Rivera what to do and he's in full control, but now we're going to give him the out. that Dan Snyder wouldn't have let him do anything because Dwayne Haskins was his guy. So that's always kind of a convenient thing for coaches here that can always be used, but this is off season three. Like if you draft a guy now, it takes, look at these rookies this year. You're talking about two, maybe three years before you get that player to the level where you can actually start really benefiting from them being an elevating piece that makes everyone around them better. How many of these guys now on the roster are even here for that? So I think because you've waited until year three, you probably need to be in the veteran market. And you got to shake someone loose from a tree somewhere that we're not even talking about right now. Uh, more likely they're going to end up with some, you know, Jared Goff trade, Mitch Trubisky acquisition. Like somebody yeah, that's, like that. If they go that
2: route, you're right. I mean, they because if anybody that's really good that has a choice, isn't going to come here, you right. know, this is, by the way, not every, a, a lot of organizations have the same issue. Um, and he did try to address it in, offseason number two offseason number one he didn't because Chase Young was there at number two and because they had you know Haskins and maybe what he was thinking was this is going to take a couple of years anyway let's trade a fifth rounder for a guy that knows the offense it can come in once Dwayne fails and the owner sees it and we'll move on from there but he did try to address it in year two and you know you made a fair point it's like okay you struck out on Matt Stafford, what about somebody else? Well, the, somebody else was Fitzpatrick. I don't know what the other options were. It's not like Aaron Rodgers was legitimately a, a available, nor was Russell Wilson. I would have loved for them, them before the whole uh, Deshaun Watson issue uh, arose with all of the happy ending joints, I would have loved to have seen them take a big swing at Deshaun Watson. That was an unprecedented situation. A guy that's under contract at 25 years old, that is absolutely an elite quarterback in this league to be available. Now he has a no trade clause. And so he could dictate where he wanted to go. So I'm sure he said, well, I don't want to go there either. It's, it's, I don't know what the plan is like they probably have plans, but it doesn't mean they're going to be able to execute on the plan because somebody has to be willing to come here um, in free agency, somebody who has a no trade clause or can help, you know, sort of, dictate the path trade wise probably isn't going to want to come here their best chance is to draft somebody because when they draft somebody that player has to play for this organization so i'm all for you know i've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks i'm all for just being super aggressive in going down every path possible you know you can't spend every pick to get a quarterback you can't trade every player to get quarterbacks, but I want to see multiple
3: swings here in this upcoming off season. (laughs) -season My point is that's what they should have done this off season. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick on his ninth team in 16 years was not a good answer. Well, what was the answer after Stafford that you wanted? But, But what I'm saying is you just said, go down as many avenues as possible. I don't think they did that. So, my aunt's like, the next thing I would have done is offer two ones for Derek Carr. Did they do that? I don't know. Probably not. That would have been the next thing. Cross that off the list. It's like a scene where you're looking for a babysitter in a movie. The parents are trying to go out and they cross through 23 names. I, I get the sense what you're saying is correct. They tried for Matt Stafford. The Rams had the sweetheart package from Detroit because of the extra one because of the terrible contract for golf. And they said, okay, well, we got to settle on one of these guys. I guess realistically, you trade up and you get one of the rookies. It didn't cost that much for whatever reason this year. Look at what the jets for, to move up for a guard spent. Now I I don't love any of those guys. I don't know what Justin Fields is going to be. I don't know what Mac Jones is going to be, but my point is there was a lack of desperation. Like you're, you're preaching and talking about something. No, You're right. You're right. Because he said this
2: multiple times about moving up. He said the price was too expensive. And And, that, and remember, Mike Silver wrote that story about all the quarterbacks that they considered, but maybe the price was too expensive. And look, with Matt Stafford, that guy in particular, um, you would have been right on Derek Carr. I, I didn't feel that way, so I'm not going to revisionist history it. I, I would not have offered the Raiders two firsts for, for Derek Carr, but I would have offered pretty much anything that the Lions wanted for Stafford and said so at the time, including Chase Young. Or, or certainly one of right. their great players, I, I would have done it. But they, he didn't feel the, – there's no doubt that there is um, sort of a price point that, that was too high for him in this last off season. All right, That's so, so hold funny. on.
1: L- l- let me jump in. The two, the two radio guys who talk all day long Like are talking. It's fun to listen well, to. Well, he's so. got
2: multiple producers and a <laughs> call screener, I just <laughs> learned. So good for him.
1: <laughs> um um so uh, great points let me just say a couple things one to the point of desperation why would ron rivera felt any desperation last off season he was the king of the town they just won five of the last seven games <laughs> they, they took they, they did a really good job against tampa bay relatively speaking to expectations with a good quarterback that was just on his sister's couch the defense i we all agree that it was a bit overrated but you have all this talent he he's good he's feeling good he can buy a year with Ryan Fitzpatrick and I kind of agree with Kevin we went through this last year there was nobody else to to realistically go to they were only offering a one and a three for Stafford offering two ones for Derek Carr who Grant you and I both like
3: maybe feels I get the hindsight part but maybe feels a bit bit much there's a difference between wanting a quarterback and needing one they act like they want one they need one yeah. So this year they either have to give up something more than they should, or they're going to do this dance again with Mitch Trubisky next year, sure. and they'll be they'll have this same conversation. Let's mark our calendars now from a year from now. That's let's like do- the, the point is like they. You're saying why would he have done that? Because he knew they weren't a real playoff team. They were a seven win team in a horrific division right. that beat to backup quarterbacks, and they were about to play. The, the night they won the division, you remember the quote. He's like, Well, now we play a first-place schedule or, or oh, something yeah. along those lines. He knew what was coming, so that's why he should have done it. it. If, in fact, it was important to him to not have the bottom fall out this year, that's
1: right. Though, so to that point, though, if the defense lived up to anywhere close to the hype, I think we're having a different conversation. Now, even Ron Rivera could not have predicted that the email scandal would happen and thrown Dan Snyder back in a huge way into the conversation, even though we were still living with this, right? The Wilkinson report hadn't even come out yet at the point that they had to make choices on Fitzpatrick in the draft. So there was the, we didn't know what was going to happen. But but putting that aside, just from the football perspective, I agree. I don't think Ron Rivera thought this was a title team that he was dealing with, but he was one year into a five-year deal where he's in charge. The owner is kind of a little bit out, you know, away from, from things right now, dealing with these other issues. He's got a lot of control and I bet he didn't feel this crazy level of desperation that he was like, okay. We, but look again, they tried to get Stafford. That was yeah, a real, think, was a real yeah. pursuit. He recognized that they had something that they could do. I don't know what the plan B was, but here's my point though. For now, I said this going into this year, they better win this year because if not, then everything we're saying is the problem. If you don't build off what you did, now you're going into year three. It looks like they're going to have a, a he's going to have two losing seasons to start even if you do it with a rookie, that's probably three losing seasons. Even Justin Herbert last year had one of the best rookie seasons ever. They were under 500, and that's the that's abnormal what he did. So you're probably looking at a third season, and you have to hope that that rookie looks good enough so by the fourth year you're now saying we, are, com- we have a shot to do something, which is why I think that the end result, even if they have a top 10 pick, I just talked to Dane Brugler, our um, – NFL draft guy to get his thoughts on the draft. And he's kind of saying what other people have, like, this is not, there's some talent, but it's, nobody knows what to make of it. I think this, I think after Rivera said, we don't want to mortgage the future for a quarterback. I think he's going to have to mortgage the future for a quarterback. I don't, I mean, I don't know who's going to be available, but I think they're going to have to do something. And because like you guys are saying, why would anybody want to come here? I don't know if that means extra draft picks or giving somebody that Alex Smith type extension, that helped Alex Smith decide to come here. I guess I think they're going to have to do that because the way things are going, how do you go into a year three with a rookie who isn't Trevor Lawrence? And uh, you know who knows? And by the way, at some point the owner is going to come off whatever we're calling this suspension or not, and look at the situation and go, "Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> what we're losing again?" I thought I thought I was a problem. What's going on here? So I think the desperation this year. Will probably kick in, and to me, I have. If I had to bet. I bet veteran. Even though I, it's hard to know exactly how they're going to do that.
2: Grant said that they acted like they wanted one. They didn't need one. I, I think they probably felt they needed one, but I also think they were too discerning. Maybe um, they, they 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 didn't love anybody after Stafford, or perhaps after somebody else where the price was just way too outrageous. Maybe we'll, we will see something that reflects more need in this offseason or urgency and per- perhaps even you know, something that they deem to be an overpayment to, 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 uh, to, to satisfy the, the position. Um, but I do think that the offer for Stafford, a first and a third, was a pretty legitimate offer at the time, remember there were people. I remember there were people that thinking of, uh, thinking that it might take a, not, not it might take less than a first. It might not require a first. I'm like, what are you talking about? Um, this is a guy that's a legitimate top ten guy on a and, and if he's on a good team, he's going to prove it. Uh, and so they did feel a need, like they didn't think Heineke and Allen and maybe another veteran this year was the way they wanted to go their actions didn't say that their actions said they understood that they had a problem at quarterback and they they wanted to go fill it they just weren't
3: urgent enough and maybe they will be in this offseason now Yeah I don't crush them for not getting Stafford I thought that was a valiant effort I thought it was a good offer and by the way remember he was in Cabo and McVay was in Cabo maybe yeah, all those things Maybe and not And he didn't want to come here he wanted to play oh, for understood before. But yeah. I, it would be easier for me if they made a better offer than the Rams. They just kind of threw their hands up and said, you know what? This is rich. There's nothing too rich to get an outstanding quarterback. that That's my whole, like, what was your other alternative? It's this. This doesn't yeah. work. So did you offer Deron Payne? Did you offer another one? Like, those are the things we don't know that I'd love to know. But it, unless they offered more than the Lions, they didn't do enough, in my opinion. Well, and, yeah, the and silver story, like,
2: the silver story, sort of indicated. Uh, I'm going off memory now, that they got blindsided by the whole Cabo, you know, and the deal getting done, and they didn't even have a chance to go back. And I don't know if that means they would have with two firsts and Duran Payne or not. Um, it's a fair point. I mean, a first and a third is a pretty solid opening offer for Matt Stafford in the moment. If we try to put ourselves back in that position and the Rams just clearly had the inside track and made the great offer and had the relationship in Cabo. And Oh, by the way, Stafford um, was done a solid by his team in Detroit. And, and they sent him to a place that not only offered a better deal, but was a place that he preferred. But yeah, well, if, like if, if I knew And if they knew that there was going to be a true sort of bidding war, then yeah, I think they erred on not being overly aggressive and overpaying. At least, as you said, hearing that they had an offer that was really close with the Rams offer. Remember, in that silver story, too, it was written that Washington thought they were in competition with Carolina. Like the Rams came out of nowhere. Washington was a legit player for Stafford along with the Panthers. I think it was the Panthers. Um, and the Rams just came out of nowhere. It seems to be what the Rams do. And maybe they've got to have more of that mindset until they fill this spot.
1: By, by the way, Kevin is tilting me every time he mentions the the, the the story on the team website that came three months, five months after the rest of us wrote <laughs> some <something> version <laughs> of this.
3: Several times that he's paid by the team to write that story, but yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Ron Rivera is yeah. tight. Is, friend is he writing
2: story. anymore? I haven't seen anything from him in a while. I Does haven't seen anything for them. I,
1: I'll be honest, I haven't noticed anything. He was kind of outspoken at, during the email stuff, so I don't know. Um, but yeah. just to go back to, uh, to to some of this, so like I said, I think the Stafford thing there was this, it was essentially rigged against them. The guy who 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 who, who traded Stafford was the former you know he worked for the rams right before this he was also there he was one of the guys that liked jared goff i think the two picks and Goff. i don't think washington was trumping trumping that regardless of you know i mean look you could say throwing chase young and deron Payne and all that but i'm saying in a realistic world i don't think so but to the to your point grant ron rivera has never been this guy before having to call the shots and while he talks about it being a collaborative effort at some point somebody has to make a decision Marty Herney and Martin, Marty and Martin Mayhew probably not going to, you know, Balbre, uh, you know, they're not going to overwhelm Ron Rivera if he wants to do something. And Ron Rivera seems like more of a conservative kind of a guy. I know the riverboat thing is a thing, but like as a football mind, he feels like a little more conservative. So I don't think he probably viewed that like he needed to do more. And he's like, okay, well, we can't do this we'll go do this other thing in Fitzpatrick. We don't have to rehash that again, but I do think this is sort of to your point earlier about the structure of the front office. I I, I again, I'm not dismissing their abilities, but because they've been doing it for a while time, but I don't know, is, is the the proper visionary people there, but when when Ron Rivera is trying to figure out this whole situation on his own, and not on his own, sorry, but for the first time perhaps this is an example of that he doesn't maybe recognize he needs to go all out. The one quarterback you had before he had the number one pick of the draft. He didn't have to do anything. He just pointed to that guy and they got Cam Newton and that's, you know, what, what, what he, uh, what he did. And uh, I don't know. Um, Let me ask you guys, this Deshaun Watson, obviously it didn't happen. Uh, We don't know what's going to happen with him in the future, but he is potentially one guy like that we know will be available. Like I would bet Aaron Rodgers stays in green Bay at this point uh more than anything else but we'll see um people point to matt ryan he's got like a 40 million dollar cap hit i don't know how he's getting out of atlanta but whatever deshaun watson's the one guy who could be there presumably by next year his legal matters will be determined somehow but who knows would you guys have been down with trading for him now if he's willing to trade to move the no trade cause i know it doesn't matter i'm just sort of curious because there are people who say they should have I personally, until this legal thing is over, no way am I bothering to touch this guy. But other people have said yes, we can go quickly here. I was just curious where you guys are at.
2: Uh, it sounds like I'm Grant's waiting for me, um, seniority. Uh, I you got it. You, you have to make sure that he's eligible. I mean, you've got to make sure that he's not going to end up in jail. So. You know, I can sit here and say I would do whatever it took because, like, how much lower can this organization go? Like, they shouldn't be concerned about any criticism. They've got they're essentially on their last, you know, uh, segment of fans that are truly passionate. Um, nobody too too few care. So it's so go for it. You know, maybe they'll do what you know. This is not apples to apples, but when Denver essentially was the only team willing to take a chance on Peyton Manning with a neck that could barely move, you know, a half an inch either way, and it paid off. I mean, who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson is at a discount. You get him, he becomes eligible. The commissioner only, you know, hits him for six games and you know, next year at this time, Deshaun Watson's playing at a pro bowl level, but you got to really be careful because it will be costly. Houston's not going to discount it that much. Um, And he might have some sort of an addiction problem. I mean, this is, I mean, there are 22 of them and those are the civil lawsuits that that doesn't even count like the, 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 recent criminal complaints, but God, I mean, just the thought of Deshaun Watson Um, eligible healthy uh, cleared whether it's settlements or whatever and in a in a uniform here it it would it would change the course of the franchise unless and I I mentioned this today when we were talking um, about potential quarterbacks in the draft the big issue here is you've got an owner that literally has a history of messing up the relationships between star quarterbacks Um, and star players and coaching staffs. He's such, um, he's he's 57 years old and seems enamored with people 35 years younger than him. And he gets in the middle of these relationships and fucks them up for for the team. He did it with RG3, got in the middle of that in a locker room and a coaching staff that knew better. You know, he went in and, and demanded that they draft a guy that went to high school with his son And so if you do end up drafting Kenny Pickett and he turns out to be the real deal, or you somehow land on Deshaun Watson, that's always a, that's a concern. And that's not an exaggeration. This has been a problem of his, which is saddling up next to a star and really sabotaging uh, the star's relationship with the locker room and with the coaching staff. So I'm always going to be concerned about that, but Back to your question. Yes on Deshaun Watson if he's not going to jail.
3: <laughs> I I think they're disqualified from being able to bring him in. Uh, based on the last calendar year, the Washington Post stories, the 40-plus the women that came forward, I think there's one team that isn't allowed to go get him, and that, that's them. Uh, I just I don't think that works. Remember, the league is now involved in essentially every – major thing that happens here every major hire they make and dan snyder is trying to hang on to this team you know maybe slightly overstated but essentially by a thread. so i just don't think that plays as you are scratching and clawing and try to prove that you're changing your culture and now you'll be the team to go welcome him with open arms i don't think that works all
1: right so we've discussed the roster we got to get it you know this team needs a quarterback that that that's the you know that that that's the consensus here i think we're all in agreement on 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 that with regards to Ron Rivera look as a coach i think everybody's willing to see where this goes forward on the front office uh, you know he hasn't done this before so i think the jury is out on whether we believe that that makes sense for him to sort of be overseeing this group but all of that to a degree doesn't matter with the constant threat of the ownership and obviously you guys talk about this all the time on your shows so to the to a certain degree i i don't want to bring you back down to all this but and we don't you know I don't. even I mean, we can discuss whatever you want. We don't have to get into the specific matters that are in play right now with the emails, with the uh, the, the you know the, the way the NFL is handling this, the the, the lack of accountability from the Snyders, from the league, um, the the culture, the the women, the former employees who want the report released. Uh, all that is worth discussing. But in terms of this. I don't know when any of this is getting resolved and it doesn't look like the league is that excited to do anything about it. And, you know, I'm not buying that Congress is going to all of a sudden be the, be the solution here. So what, what do you do? What, because ultimately the point of this whole discussion is how do you ever have hope when this thing continues to, to exist? I've said this many times when I was a fan of this team and cared emotionally, I bailed a long time ago after they fired Marty Schottenheimer, after they brought in Jeff George to mess with Brad Johnson, after they overpaid Archuleta, it became obvious to me that the the this was not whatever was going on here was not about winning in any way that made any logical sense to me. So I bailed then and then obviously I bailed all altogether <laughs> doing what I what I what I do now but there are still people that care and I honestly don't even know how they do it. So what do you say Grant you can go first here if you want, what what, what, for all the talk, is it just get a quarterback and at least that distracts from the idea that this thing is probably going to implode? Like what's the big picture? What's the hope here if this if if this is what the organization and the fan base is stuck with, that it just seems impossible that it's going to ever change?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's you know, pretty debilitating and a depressing thought if the assumption is just that nothing can ever work as long as he's the owner when he's going to be the owner, in my opinion, for an extended period of time, he'll probably outlast me. I don't make uh, very many healthy decisions when I sit down to eat dinner. So he might be the only owner that I know. Uh, But having said that, I mean, you you know, blind squirrels find nuts. I mean, the the Braves are winning a world series tonight and they had a 0.3% chance to do so according to the analytics on July 13th. You know, nothing looked uh, like that, that would have allowed for them to do that. The Nationals were 19 and 31 and won a World Series. Like magical carpet rides happen I have no delusions of grandeur that this team will turn into Green Bay or Pittsburgh or they'll have some coach who goes 14 years without a losing season like Mike Tomlin I don't think that's possible culturally speaking with you know Snyder running this thing uh, I do think that absolutely they could go on a, a run where they they go 10 and six uh, 10 and seven or 11 and six now and, and get hot in the playoffs but it, it takes having the right guy to, right. to have a shot. And in my opinion, that's, you know, until they have that guy, they don't really have that opportunity. So, yeah, if you're asking in, like, the the grand scheme, micro versus macro, like, how should people, like, keep tying up their shoelaces and and going to games and watching games, you don't really have a choice. I mean, what what are you going to do? Just – not care because Dan Snyder's the owner. Uh, I, I think if if they had just as an example, you know somehow like Josh Allen was the pick and he had fell in it, fallen into their laps, they'd be pretty good right now, right? If if um, Aaron Rodgers, you know, instead of the the year they took Jason Campbell was their quarterback, I don't know if he'd still be their quarterback now, and he'd, he'd be Aaron Rodgers of, of the Burgundy and Gold instead so of the Green and Gold. But like they would have been in the playoffs a bunch and maybe played in the Super Bowl at this point. So. I think that's kind of the key to, to kind of erasing a lot of the evils between the lines, at least.
2: Yeah, I'm not so sure, you know, about if they had drafted Josh Allen, if it would – that's one of the the things that I think people are, are unfortunately resigned to thinking now. I think more people than not, and certainly their biggest revenue-generating portion of their fan base is out. I mean, they're done. I mean, this thing is eroded down to – you know, the few that are, that are hanging in there and have hope. And I don't know that even big winning gets everybody back at this point. I think um, they've been repulsed so much um, by the owner uh, and the way this thing's been run. They've moved on to other things in life. And I may be speaking for an older demographic, which I think I am to a certain degree. Um, but I know that I've got three boys who, you know, one of them cares, but they, they don't really care like we cared. But I, I think that the quarterback thing, look, they had, you know, a borderline, I think, a Hall of Fame coach with three future head coaches on the staff and Kirk Cousins. And, you know, if you had good ownership, um, it would have worked out with that. I don't know if it would have worked out into a Super Bowl, but maybe deep playoff runs and make maybe multiple playoff runs. The, the thing about it, and Grant, you hit on it, and it's something that I've always um, – said about this franchise going back 10, 15 years, and that is the NFL's designed for even the worst of franchises to have a good season. Um, but a good season does not make a good franchise. This will never be a good franchise and we'll never have a sustained run with the Snyders in charge. It, it, it's we've got 22 years to prove it. Um, It'll never happen. There are two playoff wins. And really the first one really shouldn't even be credited to him. Um, the one that came with Brad Johnson in, in 1999, um, I, I just, but, but to your point, yeah, you can hit the inside straight and you can stay healthy and the ball can bounce your way and you can get, you know, over performances from an average roster and win 10 games and maybe win a playoff game and maybe, maybe two you know, at some point, we've seen bad teams, you know, and bad franchises make runs. The only thing that could happen is your Josh Allen scenario where they, you know, hit on Peyton Manning with the Ursays as owners. Now, they did have Bill Polian as the GM or somehow the Bidwells get Kurt Warner uh, and he's got a whole second act to his career, Hall of Fame career. Um, that could happen, but I feel like... I. I I fear that this owner in particular is even more um, destructive than even the Bidwells or the Ursays or some of the bad franchises. It seems like he can't keep uh, away from screwing it up, even if he were to get the answer at quarterback, but that's the best chance. I would agree with that to land on the next great quarterback by accident or you know, by you know, good evaluation with the Hernies and the Mayhews and the Riveras of the world, and then having that quarterback mask how ugly um, one side of the building is for a period of time. The, I mean, the, that's that's what you got to hope for if you still care enough to hope.
1: Yeah, and, and I would just say that, like, I think you both you both make great points. Um, you know, even now, like, we ask the players all the time how do you deal with is your focus on this game? How do you deal with the distractions? And I don't always know what they think about distractions. They may think us talking about the fact that they're losing or the, these, other things that you know, the emails and all that. Um, like, I do have a sense that like, I think these things bother these guys more than they let on to us. I do think this is something that they don't want to have to be asked about or dealt with. Right. And yet, if you are, if you are, you know, if you're Chase Young, that's all you've been look 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 at your two years here it hasn't been nothing but these but these issues right so I, I do think at some point even if you get lucky with whatever scenario you want to come up with if if these issues aren't going away you know at least Ursay uh, cleaned himself up right and it does feel you know, now we talk about him playing guitar not some of the other stuff i don't know too much about the bidwell situation but you know i don't hear too much about them maybe they're i don't know whatever like well the
2: son who is a local went to george jump rep the son now runs the team but you know when when kurt warner took over for them and they made a run to a super bowl it was considered to be a, a, a pretty poor you know bottom you know third bottom quarter franchise in the league um, I, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, that either one of those two franchises is as low as Washington is now. I mean, yeah. you could argue right right now that Snyder is not only the worst owner in professional football, he's one of the two or three worst owners in sports in terms of, of the, the the condition this franchise is in. I think and that's an easy case to make right now.
3: What did you say? I'm sorry, Grant, I missed that. I think that's an easy case to make right now. I guess yeah. sure. we could come up with three certainly that are more maligned and and fairly, right? And even within their own ranks. I mean, how many friends does he have right now among the owners themselves? I mean, Mm -hmm. they have to be getting tired of his act and answering questions on his behalf as well. Um,
1: I I totally totally agree. Um, I totally agree with all that. I I mean, it's just uh, at some point, you know, when does it uh when does all and we we were talking for so long i totally forgot what i was going to say so i was i was trying to stall <laughs> uh, I, I there i'm 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 doing i'm i'm hosting a radio show tomorrow kevin i don't know if you saw that and i have to practice no, you,
2: well you told me you're doing it what, what where are you doing it and when are you doing it
1: uh, i i well my 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 opening act is the is the uh grant and danny show and then uh, the, the 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 headliner is me and Brit Tiroli, uh After them, I'm kidding, obviously. You uh, where we're doing the six thirty to nine slot after Grant and Danny tomorrow.
2: Wait, you and Brit Charoli are doing it together? You you were kidding yeah. about
1: that? Yeah, we're doing. No, we're doing. She oh, and I good. are doing it together. Yeah,
2: that's, that's awesome. Yeah, hopefully so I, you'll have multiple producers in your own call screener.
1: I know we have at least one producer. Beyond that, I don't know. I don't even know. Should I take calls? I kind of feel like no. I always kind of rag on the call or something. Well, I mean, no. if you've
2: got a call screener, that always helps. I've never had a call screener. But it sounds like Grant's not only got a call screener, he's got multiple producers. So if Kevin, you're in that position, you guys are going to be good
3: to go. We but here's, if Kevin's busting my balls. I'm We actually have to follow a clock, Kevin. I have to do what? I said, we actually get yelled at if we're a minute off of our clock. We don't get to just do our segments as long as we want. And we really <laughs> That's good. That's a good one. Well, you know,
2: the funny thing is, is I, I fancy myself to be a guy that could be a wonderful clock management guy, you know, in the <laughs> NFL on the sideline for some coach. And I can't even manage
3: my own clock in my own profession. Hey, so. well, here's the thing, though. It's not to me, the clock is, well, we, we could talk radio all day long but to me that you break when you're done with the, like the, the reason a podcast works is because people want to hear what you have to say so I, I think the clock is generally a pain in the ass structurally but uh whatever but well we yeah i mean we,
1: we can,
2: yeah i've had i mean you've you've had
3: one pd right is that true yeah, uh, yeah, I got hired by CK. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've worked, so, I worked. I so worked at SiriusXM and other places, but yeah, there I right. had the. Yes,
2: yeah, so we've had you know several over the years, yeah. and and they've all been different with respect to sort of philosophies on clocks and stuff that that I guess Ben will start to learn about tomorrow night is his radio career launches. six six thirty to nine.
1: So without, without, without the, without the negative aspects that you're saying 106.7 is like the Steelers with Tomlin and 980 is like this place with multiple coaches every, every couple of years.
2: Oh yeah. We've had, we've had a lot of of
1: change over the years,
2: but we're (laughs) so happy by the way, to be sisters with 106.7, the fan, we are now all under the same management and Grant and I have always, you know, uh, had a good relationship and have always had conversations over the years. And it's great to be working for the same parent company.
1: I, I have to say, I find it very disarming. Or, or I, 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 I don't know disarming. I find it very weird. I, li- I kind of like that viewing from the outside of like, this is it's like Anchorman, you know, and like they're all going to come into that uh, alley and like, you know, bring out the trident and like go at each other and the sniping. I kind of missed that. I'll be, I'm not going to lie.
3: no touching in the hair or face was the rule in in anchorman i guess for radio it's no touching in the like the uh you know the throat or the the ruining of the uh the ability to talk or something
2: but actually the the, i think the ironic part is that there's never
3: really been any sniping has there been i don't think so i I don't i mean that's old school radio stuff right in a different the other thing is i know most of these guys right like i've I, I talked to Zabe. I talked. I, I, there's a couple guys that were on 980 for a long time. I didn't know or have a relationship with, but like some of them worked for us, right? Ashu's gone back and forth on buddies with. Russell has worked at both places 14 times. Uh, you got you know <laughs> uh, different people that you know we we you know, we all. Tom Lavero was with us and with them. So there's there's been you know like a back and forth with some guys, but we're all pretty friendly. I'd I mean, they're you know. I, I don't think there's ever been a, anything overly contentious.
1: Yeah, it's not fun when you guys phrase it like that. I'm not trying to start anything, but, you know. Well, that's just the, the PC, We actually all hate each other. Too. Well, right. I mean, the, I, the, I, I the, say, the, I've the, had we, conversations. I've heard things. We we were not. <laughs> I
2: think Grant's right about that. We were much more contentious and, and sniping with 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 the company that owned us for a while, which You know, as people described it, the team owned us. The team actually didn't own us. A company called Red Zebra owned us. Dan Snyder was the majority shareholder. But we were the flagship station of the team. And that was really the entity in which we argued the most with. I mean, it was an unpleasant, um, shall we say, uh, partnership um, with the team. But you know what? If they had found a quarterback years ago, I bet the relationship would have been much better. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there you go. Nice, nice way to circle it back. Uh all right. So, so this was uh fantastic. This, this you know, I, I don't know if, when somebody said this, but the idea is feels like you know getting uh you know De Niro and Pacino together in heat. I, I I'm gonna have to use that uh GIF or picture or something when I put this podcast out tomorrow. I, I I've talked to me, both of you many times on the radio, off the radio. So to have everybody here together. Uh, for something that we all care about in very in different ways, uh, was was a lot of was a lot of fun. Uh, I guess. just lastly, if you have the Twitter-sized comment to, to sign off. Like Grant, like what's your, what what what's your thing at this point? Is I mean, are we quarterback owner. Like what's your, I don't know. How, how are you going to get through these last nine weeks? We can't. We, we we know they can't do anything about the quarterback at this point. The owner is going to be what it is. How are you going to get through these? Uh, what's you know, non-what's going to be your thing to, to to hold on to?
3: Yeah, I mean, this is this is what I do, bro. This is this is what I've majored in my whole life. I mean, <laughs> if you're 33 years old, you've never seen them win. Danny used to make fun of me because I would always say, "He's like, well, if they don't win, you'll be unhappy." I'm like, "No, I, I don't watch it for a win or a loss. I, you know, does Ryan Kerrigan get a sack today? Does so and so rush for a touchdown? For me, it's Terry McLaurin." Uh, I love him. I like watching him. I want them to feed him the football. Um, So I focus on that and basically his quest to go put up, you know, 1200 yards and get to the credit he deserves defensively. I want to see chase young finish with more than the three sacks. He's on pace for start to make some plays. So I'll be locking in on the D line, but yeah, I'm going to be just fine. Like two and six is not that crazy. They've been that or worse three straight years. So uh, this is kind of what I do, man. I I, I watch football on Sundays, and I, uh, I I look for the little battles, like uh, you know, I, I find my little statistical oddities of this being the the first time in seven years that they've had a receiver have ten for one twenty and two touchdowns or whatever, and uh, you know that helps me sleep on a Sunday night. Uh, that's the God, one that thing, was,
1: Kevin. Kevin, I always that think was like so
3: sad. That was right. so sad. What he just said. No,
2: that's
1: something think, Kevin. Like he, I was.
2: He's rooting for Chase Young to have a few sacks and Terry McLaurin to have. I mean, it really is. It's it's very reflective of your age. And I'm not talking about um, the participation trophy, uh, you know, generation. I'm talking about the fact that you never were around to see this franchise win big. It's it for people my age. It's it, look, I, I mean, even doing what we do. I mean, I love football. I'm, I'm watching football and I love talking about football and I love watching the team's games and then analyzing the games, but I don't have the same passion for this team that I used to the, the, that passion's been sucked out of me over the last, especially the last five to six, seven years. I, I I don't know what the last straw was, but there've been a couple of rock bottoms and last straws that have really suck the last you know ounces of life and passion for this team out of me um I want them to be good because it's better for us professionally it's funny how so many of our listeners don't believe that but it is true it would be much better for us if they were a really good team and I think I'd be really back into it if they were good I think I'm one of those people that would jump back in um full bore but god it's you know our city too is so much different than what it was in the eighties and nineties. It's a much bigger city. It's a younger city. It's a more diverse city. It's a much more um, eclectic city. And from a business standpoint, you know, much more robust. I mean, this used to be truly just a federal government town and it's so much different. So it would have been so cool over the last, you know, as the city was growing and changing to also have, you know, a really good NFL franchise and something that you could be proud of. Like, I'd love to see what it would be like, you know, and we got a taste of it right with the Nats and with the caps, but you know, both of those things would pale in comparison to the football team if it ever became great. But it's hard for me to just, by the way, it's not the player's fault too. I have to remind myself like Terry McLaurin's what, 24, 25, 26 years old or whatever he is. And I feel badly for some of these guys who are clearly better. They've got better, higher quality people. I think, I think that's one of the things that Rivera's focused on that I like, like McLaurin is first rate, John Allen's one of the best dudes period. Um, And he's also a great player. So none of this is their fault. And I want them to do well. And I want Ron to do well and Jason and everybody else. But it is funny to hear you say, you know, I'm just really rooting for Terry McLaurin to end up with, you know, hundred catches and 1200 yards. And all I want is, you know, somehow for them to figure out, you know, in the next couple of years to win 12 games and be a legitimate contender. So in late January, they're like one of four teams left. And they can be in that limelight for the first time in 30 years. It would be
3: it would be cool to see that because it I've was never great seen them to win 12 games. I you know, I Yeah. My, I know. The best it's ever been was 1999. They went 10 and 6 the year Dan took over. It was my favorite team ever. Brad Johnson threw for 4,005. Steven Davis ran for 1456. They had two 1000 yard receivers in Connell and Westbrook. They win one of the two playoffs games they've won since Gibbs last won a Super Bowl. And, uh, and then the Dan Turk snap and the, the Matt Turk uh, Brett kind of went fiasco in um, Tampa Bay happened to keep him from the NFC championship game but uh you know that Dan inherited that team right and then yes yeah. kind of went nuts. and you know and, you know
2: Charlie's told the story before if he could have undone the Brad Johnson trade he was gonna undo it he wanted oh. Jeff
3: George to be the quarterback
2: but well, he year. got
3: Jeff George soon enough he, he yeah. did
1: all right, all, right, all right. Please don't trigger me with these memories. I don't need PTSD before we uh, sign off on this. Um, you guys were great. I, I I guess I should tell people, go listen to Kevin. Uh, go listen to him on the mornings on 980, the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, uh, which I was on this week and go check that out. And of course, Grant is on every... What was it, Grant? Two, what What are you? 2 to 6.30?
3: 2 to 6.30, you are correct, sir.
1: On, on 106.7 The Fan with Danny Rue, go check that out. Uh,
2: Producers, he, call screeners, lots of a, stuff he's got a, going on there. There's a, there's um, a lot
1: happening over there. Um, you guys are great. Obviously your institutions, I appreciate the insight, the knowledge, and the passion, even if it's waning, like I think it feels like for a lot of people, and that's why we want. I wanted to have this conversation. I appreciate it, fellas. That was
3: fun, boys. Thanks, buddy. Good times.